Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. We have a great episode today, I think. We haven't recorded it yet, so I'm assuming, but I feel great about it right yeah. now. Y- yeah, uh, your name is Luke. My name is Dan. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm, yeah, my name is Luke. Uh, <laughs> they, so we are doing another Game of Thrones book. We're doing A Clash of Kings, which is the second one. Before we even <laughs> before we even talk about this book, I wanted to start this episode so badly by promising to our listeners that we would shut the hell up about Game of Thrones because we talk about it like once every three episodes. But I I can't I can't do that. I can't make that promise yet. So right, you you mean we talk about it even on episodes that we're not? <laughs> we reference Game of Thrones too much. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that right. This is a hot take. We reference Game of Thrones way too much. so I, I think, think that's probably true. I think what we can do, though, is while we're covering this book, none of the intro segments will be related to Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. So that is, <laughs> that's the promise. And then from now on, I think we're going to try and avoid it. There's better, there's other fantasy we could talk about, Luke. That's true. Uh, I think that's fair. I don't know if I'm going to go... Like, I don't know if I'm going to try super hard to avoid it if I have something important in another episode. But, yeah, I see your point. I think you're right. And I like that we're we're promising to be off topic for the first <laughs> section of our episodes. I think that's good. Yeah, it's important. That's actually, that's perfect because I have something to talk about that's not related to Game of Thrones. Okay. This is going to be long. This is going to be long. All right. So we're not we're not going to jump into the book until we're done with this. Okay. Well, hit me with it, Luke. Okay. I've teased this to you a little bit, but yeah. so you are you aware that there's a new Aragon book that came out or is coming out? No. So I I saw that you were active on our on the Twitter page earlier this week, but I have no idea what that tweet was about. And I didn't want to okay. call you out on it cuz I'm sure you knew what it was about, but I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> So there's a, there's a new, I hesitate to call it like Aragon book, but basically a new Aragon book. Part of the inheritance cycle. Yeah. So it's, it's by, you know, it's a new book by Christopher Paolini. It's set in the world and I think it comes out end of December or something like that. Whoa. Yeah. Like it's like you can pre-order it now if you want to. Oh my gosh. I haven't yet. Thinking about it. Whoa. But, uh. (laughs) Honestly, that's the biggest surprise that I that you've told me all evening is that you haven't pre-ordered it yet. <laughs> I looked at it. I almost clicked the button, but like there's not going to be a shortage of books. I don't why are you people Is there a reason to pre-order anymore? That's a different topic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's I've looked it up a little bit and I think there's like three short stories or something which are interspersed with tales of Aragon's like a year after the last book, mm-hmm. you know? So, okay. So just spoilers. If you have not read Aragon, you're going to get spoiled. Just like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> just read it. It's really good. Just read it. Yeah. So, or skip ahead, like mm, probably 10 minutes and we'll be out of spoiler country and we get, we'll be talking about game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. So, 
there's a, so it's about Aragon like a year later, and there's like three st- short stories about different characters or something like that. I think that's probably cool, and I'm always for like new content, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna read it, and I'm pretty excited about it. But I'm not. That's not what I wanted out of the next Aragon book. Okay. I didn't want it to start off right afterwards. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> so your tweet is making a lot more sense now. Right, right, right. So I wanted it to be very far in the future. Like, I wanted I wanted Aragon to be 500 years in the future. And, like, so Aragon's immortal, right? Yeah. He doesn't die unless someone stabs him. Right. Or some other way. Or shoots an arrow in his eye. Right. A little callback there. <laughs> so, I want it to be like 500 years in the future. And Aragon's this legend. And people are coming to find him. And. Hold on. So you want The Last Jedi? Kind of. I've real- I realized that afterwards. But not quite. Not quite. Okay. So I have. Here's where it's going to get real, Dan. Okay. We made a pledge to do a Aragon movie at the beginning of this. Yes, we did. I think we're not redoing. We're not remaking Aragon. Oh, okay. We're making a new Aragon movie. Since since Chris is not making the Aragon books that I specifically want. Don't, okay, don't get me wrong. He's making Aragon books and I want them. He's not making the ones that I specifically want. <laughs> no 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 he's not making the ones that you the fan fiction you wrote out in your head right right which right is, which is frustrating <laughs> so we have or i have to do it and so i've come up with a little with a little storyline kind of brief outline and i have a great idea for a trailer oh no so you're you're about to hijack this podcast to debut your aragon fan fiction slash screenplay that you've been writing you're you're debuting it's your really... screenplay is what you're trying to tell me i'm i'm teasing my screenplay oh this is worse this is worse luke <laughs> okay i'm more just okay i more just want this trailer to be a thing okay, okay. is that does that make any sense yeah go ahead so okay let me just give you a quick outline on what i want the story to be yeah real quick I want it to be like a thousand years in the future. Mm-hmm. Back home in Allegasia, there's been uh, like, you know, it's one of those stories where magic starts to fade, that kind of thing. So every fantasy story. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Magic starts to fade, uh, like the elves and stuff leave, right? It's just humans chilling, kind of kind of struggling through. Uh-huh. It's been a long time history starts to get erased or not erased but forgotten yeah nobody really knows who aragon is anymore all of a sudden there's some conflict like some huge conflict i don't know exactly what it is yet i think i'm gonna make it the elves have turned evil and they're coming back or like dwarves versus humans or yeah or that maybe there's a conflict between the dwarves and the humans yeah there's yeah just there's some huge conflict Uh the one that i wrote down was uh the elves left and then like some 
ruthless faction of them took over and are coming back and want Allegacia back or something like that. Okay. But but there's some conflict. And then the humans get, like, subjugated for a little while. And then there's this, like, small rebellion kind of thing where they they have their only hope is this legend. They don't even know what it is. And they go off in search of it. And they find Aragon, right? Luke, you just wrote Star Wars. I know, I know, I realize that. You just said the. You kept saying like they, their only hope, their new hope. Uh, you were talking about the small rebellion against this giant empire that's way more powerful. Oh, okay, so okay, Star Wars. Okay. okay, no, my thing is, I want the main difference with Star Wars is the huge difference in time between Aragon, like. I just want Aragon to be a legend, basically. So Yoda, kind of. Uh, I I I think <laughs> the analogy is a little strained. Okay, it is, but you have to acknowledge the connections. Yes, I get what your point is. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> my trailer is this. Okay, and Matt, picture this, and I want there to be no knowledge of this in advance. Just the trailer to drop and people to be like, yeah, yeah. whoa. Nobody knows that there's a new Aragon movie coming out, right? Okay. You go to the movie, you go to the movies, and it's like, you know, you're going to see uh, Fantastic Beast 7, whatever. And you're just chilling, eating some popcorn, watching the previews. I don't know if you like the previews. I love the previews. There's just one preview that comes on. It's this guy. I don't know who it is yet. He's like, he's like mid-30s, got a little, got a little gray in his hair. Oh, he's... Mid thirties and he's got gr- all right. Keep going. Uh, yeah, not not a lot of gray, like a touch of gray, you know that kind of thing. Uh, he's he's walking up this hill, this like kind of deserty hill. Does he have a lightsaber in his hand? He does not. All right. And the main thing the main thing is he's having a monologue, okay. and he's basically talking. He has this super intense voice, right? He's basically talking about the history he's saying things like you know i left my land a thousand years ago and he's like kind of going through this little storyline uh-huh and then and then uh you know he says like humans are now enslaved or something like that and he says like a small band of humans now desperate chafes after like a legend and then when he says that he crests this hill right uh-huh he sees this small band of people running from this larger group and you're, you're, the camera's behind him, right? He pulls out this dope sword to his side. And then you just hear him whisper Brisinger. And it, lights, and it lights up on fire. And then it cuts to black. And then you hear a dragon roar. And then it's like, Erica. Oh, dude. All right. I wanted to hate, like, hate on this so bad. You would lose your freaking mind if you were in this theater. I got chills when you described that freaking trailer to me, Luke. I told you, dude. Oh my gosh! Just I just imagine your jaw Chills. when you see this thing. And you're like you're like what's this about? And then he takes out the sword, and you're like, ooh, sword, okay. And then he says, Brisinger. As soon as as soon as that happened, I would yeah. just like sit in that seat until the movie actually came out. <laughs> I would stay there. That was my home for however long. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this is so right. This is so good. <laughs> Honestly, I think if we dropped this trailer, we would get people giving us money to make this movie. Yeah. I think if we put this on, like, Patreon or something, we could... It, it would happen. But it, Easily. Uh, it's got to happen in a movie theater, though. It can't. 
because it's got to surprise people yeah that's the key oh this is so good all right we need to we need to get on this luke i'm gonna update i'm gonna update i think this is way cooler than what we had originally originally thought and i think this yeah, is this, this is more the feasible. trailer got you the Dude, trailer got i'm you, so it? hyped about this actually like <laughs> the so okay what we could do what we could do for our podcast is sometime in a little bit we i think there's like voice modulators online we could record a little monologue make our voice sound really cool <laughs> You're saying and, you're saying we should actually make the audio for this trailer. Yeah, then someone's going to make the and have a fan make the CGI video or the No, there wouldn't even need to be any CGI. This would be the freaking cheapest trailer to make because there's no CGI dragon. There's just like a sword catching on fire, which you could do with practical effects. Right. Oh, damn. This is so good. <laughs> I honestly, I'm speechless at this point. Like, I'm just thinking about the possibilities for this yeah. movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is so good. I want to talk about this next week. Okay. I want so you can you can think about it more, and we can talk about it again next week. Yeah, I want to talk about the de- a little bit more of the story details for this movie. Okay. Next week. Okay. And maybe like a final edition of the trailer, like what the trailer is going to be, okay. and then at some point we'll record the audio for the trailer and put it out there for right, somebody right, for right. somebody to put in front of a video of some kind <laughs> perfect this perfect is, see is... I, yeah okay i knew you were gonna be on board i knew it oh my gosh i'm not gonna go to work this week i'm just gonna do this yeah this that's what i did <laughs> let's okay let's take that excitement and get into our actual part of the episode all right We've read through the first quarter of A Clash of Kings by George. You know George. George R. R. Martin, I should Don't give him don't give him the R's, dude. No, we need to. We talked about this. We need to. Okay. He's earned it. The chapter that we just finished reading is a Tyrion chapter. I don't remember the number of the chapter. I think it's number fifteen. Okay. So chapter fifteen. We just ended with a Tyrion chapter. We're about to go into a brand chapter. Luke, I want to talk about the comet a little bit. I think we have the same thing on this, but you go ahead. Well, so I originally had something about the comet, but then I did some Googling and realized that I was just dumb. Sure. So maybe this is what you have to. And if so, then I'll just tell you like, no, you're totally wrong. And we're just stupid. Uh, I have something else though. This has to do with the, the maesters meisters. How are we going to say that word? I've been saying maesters. Maesters is what I've been saying in my head too. The Maesters give this explanation for what the comet is, but they know as much as like literally anybody else about what this thing is. They just sound way more smug about it. I forget what the Maesters say about it, actually. They say, oh, shoot. I, honestly, I don't remember either, but it's not, it's not what's real about a comet. <laughs> I think do they, do they, they do something astronomical. Yeah, so they say it's like part of the sun, I think, that is broken off or a star that is coming close something along those lines it's not you know a piece of space debris that has come close to our planet's atmosphere and is causing off gassing it's that's not what they say but they just sound so smug about it 
like oh foolish child this is what the comet is and if the maesters are like stand-ins for scientists in our world that's very bad because like that's not how scientists really do things right yeah they they didn't they're they the big thing is not to be smug yeah it's not to be smug and acknowledge if you aren't sure about something like scientists take hard stances on things that they have done extensive research and are pretty confident is correct otherwise they're just not going to say any they're going to say something like the data is inconclusive they're not going to be like oh everyone else is dumb i took book learning school and this is what (laughs) it taught me in those books because like you don't know maesters right there's there's very we don't know like how much science goes down with the maesters yet i don't know if we will or not but like i don't know how much the maesters how well informed they are about the world yeah i i kind of envision them as like medieval doctors where they have yeah kind of me too yeah they have like schooling and they're the most educated but back then educated didn't really mean they knew what the hell was happening they just they knew more than most people yeah but it could have been wrong like all the stuff that they read could have been wrong they just read more than everyone else is what's what's the thing that you thought about the comment that turned out to be wrong because now i'm worried about my thing all right Uh, so you have to tell me if this is the thing you thought of okay i was surprised that the comet would hang out for more than like a few hours that's not the thing that i had yeah, I've never seen a comet before, I guess. But apparently comets can last for like a week. See, I think you might be thinking of meteor showers. That's exactly what I'm thinking of, yeah, is a meteor shower. Okay, that's not the thing that I had. So... Here's here's the thing that I had. You ready? Dude, Westeros is freaking flat. <laughs> I'm convinced now. I'm not even, like, we started this theory off as kind of a joke. It's flat, dude. Okay, I'm positive. I, I couldn't figure out how this would tie into that, so I'm excited for you to make the connection. Okay. okay. There's a couple there's a couple times this is said in different words, but one of them is Oh my gosh, I just made the, the connection. Comets, yeah. The comet's so bright you can see it by day now. <laughs> there's a couple times that's mentioned that you can see it day and night. Uh-huh. Which means okay either it's not a comet and it's actually like some magic omen this is this is incredible or or the world is not rotating dan luke (laughs) if you can see the comet day and night the world's not rotating right that's not how because on earth day and night works that the earth rotates and so the sun doesn't shine on a part of it right i can hear people saying now you can sometimes see the moon by day not the same thing. No. Because no. the moon is, is like, you see it in different spots of the sky. And You're not seeing the moon at noon. Right. And the comet is like pointing in the same direction for everybody. All these people are talking about which direction the comet is pointing. And they're all saying the same direction. Right. So, okay. <laughs> the well, Hold on. I just want to like add, like, the only way you could see the comet day and night, the only way would be if the comet was orbiting the earth right that's the only way yeah either that or the earth is is 
a okay the other thing is that the earth is actually or not the earth but the world yeah is actually a globe it's just not rotating at all oh no, no no that doesn't even work either no because the comet's moving wait no no okay, it doesn't yeah, work because yeah. there wouldn't be days there wouldn't be if it wasn't rotating it you wouldn't have a day right, right, right. yeah dude, it's flat oh my gosh this is <laughs> this is foolproof I dare anyone to prove us wrong. <laughs> our previous evidence was circumstantial. I mean, they're pretty. Our previous evidence was also pretty good, but this is like I agree. this is like tell me how this is possible with a round planet. <laughs> and you have to also say that um, if you're in a different part of the world, you see a different sky. Mm-hmm. Daenerys mentions seeing the comet too now sure it's possible that the world is gigantic and big enough for them to be like in a small enough area where they see a similar sky right we've talked about the hypothesis that they're everyone's on the same hemisphere everyone's on the northern hemisphere of this planet right but for there has to be that and the world the world has to be not rotating but no that's not a that's not a thing it's flat it's freaking flat, dude. <laughs> Get at us. At hashtag flat Westeros. Yeah, yeah. This is the gauntlet. We've just thrown down the gauntlet. I would love for somebody to try and prove us wrong. Freaking. Let's go. Oh, my god. Yeah, gosh. I'll argue with anybody. Anytime. I'm walking down the street. If you see me, like, bring this up. Let's have it. Let's have at it. <laughs> If I'm on the train, come on. This is the open invitation right here. Oh my gosh. Um yeah, speaking of crazy how crazy this world is compared to ours, at one point George George says that Lady Celise is that we're gonna go with for Stannis' wife? Yeah. Lady Celise has a faint, like a whisper of a mustache. Yes. And it's said that she plucks it every day and can't get it can't get it to go away. That's true. I remember that part. What? <laughs> she yeah. I never I didn't think about it. Like if your hair grows that quickly, you were meant to have a mustache. That's Yeah. She plucks it every day. How can she? Okay, it, the word pluck is interesting there. Mm-hmm. She doesn't shave it every day. No. Because if you shave your mustache, the next day it might grow back a little bit, like me and you. Yeah. Not long enough to pluck. She's, so it's growing back like a decent amount. She's got full hairs to pluck. I love, I love when we bring up just like hard-hitting... Just very important things of the story. And like, it's honestly, it borders on a medical condition, which I think it's a little bit rude for George to be bringing this up. Yeah, I think that's valid. Kind of insensitive. It's very insensitive. <laughs> um, I th- Yeah, George must just not like her, which is fair. She's the worst. Yeah, the she's, she's pretty. I mean, it, it's. It's kind of not great that 
it's trying to set her up as bad and kind of like i don't know i don't i don't like bad necessarily is the term but she's very like she's not likable no yeah that's a good way of putting it she's very unlikable and um the way that that's set up initially is by her appearance and by having a mustache she can't get rid of and it's like that's not a really great move george R. R. martin that's kind of maybe find another way to describe her or maybe her physical appearance has nothing to do with the fact that she's just a (laughs) shitty person because she is a shitty person oh not good she doesn't make good decisions yeah that i don't have or i just wanted to say the whole the whole stannis side of things she's the worst stannis is the worst oh yeah i mean they're very well suited for each other (laughs) like they both suck yeah (laughs) in a way that's like yeah, you want to achieve this thing that you're both super determined to get, but you won't do any of the things that you should do to get that thing and still expect it to come to you. Right, right. Um, yeah, they're not... They just... They put a lot of faith in this priest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say too much yet just because I don't know, but currently they have no shot at getting anything. Unless she does some crazy stuff. Right. She's going to have to be like a superhero to get any like minor power to Stannis' cause. And in the meantime, he's like started a Twitter war with the Lannisters, which is fucking insane. Did you pick up on this? Yeah. Yeah. It seemed very likely to happen in our current climate (laughs) right but like in our current climate we don't have the leaders of two countries like tweeting back and forth at each other while there's like threats of war oh (laughs) well played well played (laughs) but that's the other thing about this is so at the very last bit of the section that we read Tyrion and cersei come up with their own like rebuttal tweet to at Stannis (laughs) Stannis <laughs> and it's like guys there's a war happening right now and y'all are coming up with funny comebacks for <laughs> Stannis yeah they always they always talk about things like the small folk will love this or like talk about this it's like man they're all dead <laughs> they are starving in the streets they're eating they don't dogs care about this at all <laughs> Right, but yeah, that was their justification for responding to Stannis is like, those small folk, they need something to really whet their appetites. They need something to, to latch on to. Really, they really come on board with this juicy gossip while they're trying to find any meal. While they're running for their lives, they're carrying every possession that they have south to escape the war. But they'll definitely read this funny tweet about Stannis. <laughs> right. I so I want to say I'm going to go back to kind of the beginning yeah. of this the book and talk about Circe. So we I think Circe is often looked on as having being kind of not that smart and having like kind of dumb strategies or, or being irrational in certain aspects. Uh yeah. The the beginning when Tyrion comes in and 
basically announces that he's now Han because his father put him there. And she's like, no, that's not how that works. She has a point. <laughs> it's BS that Tywin Lannister is like, okay, I'm Hand. I'm just going to pick a different one. <laughs> okay. He's like, you know what? You go be Hand. <laughs> that's a good point. I feel like if, I, if I'm Cersei in there, I'm like, no. <laughs> Can you imagine if Ned had done that? If Ned had been like, yeah, I don't really like this anymore. Um, Peter Baelish, you're the Hand now. <laughs> I'm freaking out. I'm going back north. Y'all don't need me anymore. Yeah. I think Cersei has a point here. So she would have a point if her entire, like, position wasn't built on complete bullshit. Right. (laughs) Like, she would have a great point if she hadn't torn up the letter that Robert Baratheon had wrote on his deathbed that said... Actually, Ned's in charge. Yeah, I forgot about that, too. Um. (laughs) (laughs) So I get it, Cersei, but also, nah. Yeah, have some self-awareness, Cersei. Which Tyrion actually makes the point that she has no self-awareness. Like, when, when she's really upset about the letter that was sent out, and... Tyrion's like why are you so upset about this it's it's all true and we all know it like chill <laughs> yeah that's true. yeah she everybody knows I guess that she is kind of like that I think everybody in um, the small council at least now the small folk who knows small folk have no idea what's going on one thing I couldn't stop imagining was being Maester Lewin I think is the maester in Winterfell, Winterfell. I couldn't imagine, couldn't stop imagining being Maester Lewin and having to explain things to Bran, but also be like his one of his servants, because Bran seems kind of like an idiot to the Maester. <laughs> right. Like at one point, the Maester is like, or at one point, Bran's talking about how the trees are dreaming, and this kind of, and at first it's like, oh, that's super deep, but then it's like, no, that's a that's a tree. <laughs> okay, Dan, you don't know. I, just... I guess, but if you're a maester, you're not into the, like, you're probably not into the, like, poetry of the world and into this, like, right? You've been trained to kind of have somewhat of a scientific approach to the world. And here you have to listen to the lord of the castle being like, I think the trees are dreaming, Mr. Lewin. <laughs> and you're like, dude, they're not. What are you... <laughs> can't believe i have to teach this kid math <laughs> yeah that's a valid point <laughs> and like yeah master lewin's cool and i think brand's probably fine but he just says some dumb shit sometimes that i want master lewin i th- i think in general you can extend that to a lot of other areas of this book where there's people that are very important just because they're part of a family so like i mean Joffrey is an example of this also. Right, right. Where people are in positions of power when they clearly shouldn't be. There's like there's the part where uh I think Tyrion tells the captain of the guard to take the heads off the spikes because they're like rotting. <laughs> yeah. And the guy's like, No, dude, Joffrey told me to leave him up there until we fill the last two with like Rob Stark and uh Renly and Stannis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's freaking 13. No, don't do that. Don't listen to him. It's like, I could beat him up. And I'm like, 
this tall. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's pretty prevalent where just there's a lot of kids in positions of power because of the way this world is set up and they're freaking idiots. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like 50% of the kings in this realm are basically children. This is a very poorly run bureaucracy, if I must say so, if I may say so. Yeah, although Rob's doing pretty well. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. We don't really know. There's So I want to go to the north really quick. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, with the the Night's Watch. Ooh, yes. So they go... They're going beyond the wall is kind of the start of this. And they take Sam with them. I have this exact point. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam is like, hey, man, I just found this really cool library that would probably be super helpful. And they're like, no, dude, you have to come... You can't... Re- you have to come with us. He's like... And, and Sam's like, I think I'd be more used here because no one's using this vast trove of information that could be really helpful. And all I would do there is attach messages to birds. And they're like, no, man, you, you have, you're the only one that can do it. <laughs> so he goes along. He has to go along. It's the, like, no. <laughs> the best part about this is Sam says this exact thing to yeah. Lord Commander Mormont. He's like, anybody else could put messages on ravens and he lists three other people he's like why can't any of them do it and commander mormont doesn't say anything he's just like eh whatever you gotta come with us anyway and they get back to talking about something else and it's like sam makes a freaking great point also you wouldn't want him with you yeah exactly who he is holding everybody he's slowing everybody down because he doesn't want to be there and he is like anxious about everything like let him sit with his books and bring somebody who knows birds anybody who knows birds to send the messages the uh and i don't want to minimize the point of they have that library that just no one is using right i mean i think it it says something to how underfunded the night's watch is i think they just it's like a luxury at this point where they have this vast trove of information but they can barely man the wall as it is so yeah they can't just send people to go down and read for two hours at a time right but i think i think now at the point where they're realizing like people are coming back from after having died and they're like we need to figure out what's going on they don't tell sam to go research this right where he might actually be able to find something that's very helpful (laughs) <laughs> and there's also there's so i think john goes and talks to him while he's doing this and john's like what what could you learn from this and sam's like you can actually learn like a lot it's, and he gives a couple things uh-huh. and he talks about i think there's another part where uh he says something along the lines of you can learn a lot from books or something and john's like oh sam what a child and john it's like you you might be the you might be the immature one in this scenario, right? It's like, hey, John, I got a surprise for you. You're in a book, bud. <laughs> got him. Yeah, let's let's see if Sam if Sam breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> Find the right book. He finds a Game of Thrones in the library. So there's a few things. There's a few things that that I would also like to talk about with the Night's Watch. 
why why aren't there more cowards like sam everybody in the night's watch seems pretty cool with like fighting and they seem pretty hardy and rough and tumble but not all crimes are committed by hardy rough and tumble people right that's true I imagine that there are some financial crimes in Westeros. Right, like tax evasion, something like that. Right. So, and I'm sure those people given the option to hang in the town square or take the black would be like, yeah, I don't want to die. Let me take the black. And so... Here's the thing. I think this might be a recruiting issue for the Night's Watch. I think some of their problems with how many people they have might be a self-inflicted issue where they've created this thing where like, you got to be super tough to be on the wall, man. It's, it's, it's intense up there. So there's a lot of people that they might need, like the Sam's of the world. They need just, I don't know, regular people, cooks, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, I'm not going up there. Like they've, I think they've if, scared the cowards out of coming up when right, they could right. actually use so many cowards up there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they have this library that's just sitting unused that they could just have a bunch of cowards. Imagine if they advertised that. If they were like, we've got the oldest library in the world here. I would consider signing up. Before, we in our episodes about this before, we talked about how who would sign up for the Night's Watch if you didn't have to. Uh... If I could chill in that library all day, <laughs> I'd consider it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the Night's Watch has some some recruiting issues. There's another strange part of the Night's Watch that it is taken for granted, but isn't really talked about. Every time Jon Snow's Black Brothers go to Mole Town and they go digging for gold. John tells them that he can't because of his honor, and he took a vow. And he makes it sound like they're breaking a vow, the vow of the Night's Watch, to go do this. And every every time, you know, they talk about it, it sounds like they're kind of kind of breaking the vow that they've taken, but it's, it's kind of looked upon as okay. Uh, I'm going to read the Night's Watch vow. <laughs> okay, okay. Night gathers, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. I shall wear no crowns and win no glory. And then it goes on to say that they're, what their responsibilities are. Uh, nowhere in there does it say you can't bone down. Right? Yeah, that's true. It just has the like no wife thing. Right, so you can't get married, but there are a ton of young men who don't care about getting married. You know, I hadn't realized that, because it does imply that they're breaking their vow by doing this. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're you're right, they're not. No, as long as they don't father any children is the key. And I think that's the point where John's like, you could have a baby from that activity. (laughs) Uh, I think you need to talk to Cersei if you want to figure out how to remedy that situation because she did a pretty good job <laughs> yeah maybe yeah maybe john just doesn't realize that that's fine you know he doesn't he just doesn't know i don't know i don't know what he's doing i i think he just wants to feel superior to everyone else he wants he wants to have this thing that he can be like 
I'm more pure in my vows because I'm abstinent till I die. And everyone else is like, you don't have to do that. No one's making you do that, John. John is the person that's gone through abstinence-only education. Yeah, it's what happens when you combine not being able to take a wife and abstinence-only education. And so it's like, well, I guess I'll just... <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, John, chill out, all right? Everybody chill at the wall. Yeah. The... <sighs> fair point, fair point. So I think that... Let's just finish up at the wall, I guess. There's So they go north, and they find a couple empty villages, and that's pretty much it, right? Yes, yes. Um, and then let me see what else I had. Oh, okay, I have something about about the Stannis situation. Uh, are we leaving the wall? I ha- Are you done with it, or do you have something else? Oh, no, Luke. Okay. We've got a theory. Okay. This is related to Sam Tarly Ooh. and why they need him on this march. Because I also had this question that we posed earlier. Why did they take Sam? At first, I had the same explanation as you did, right? That it was just like they needed somebody to send the birds and didn't want to have to find somebody else. It's kind of ridiculous, but they took Sam anyway. And then Yorin decides to fight every single Lannister-aligned person in the town, which they know is like there's like 200. So this is when... Uh, Yorin is taking Arya north and they're in a holdfast of a deserted village and a, so many soldiers come surround the holdfast and say, let us in. We just want to come make sure that you're all black brothers and headed towards the wall. And Yorin says, no. And so they say, okay, we're going to kill you all. And Yorin says, let's fight. Yorin has like 20 people. They have like it's i think aria says they have like 200 people at least but it's dark so that's probably an underestimation why would yorin do that (laughs) yeah i so my assumption was that yorin thought that if he opens the wall they're just going to kill them regardless Mm -hmm. and so he thought that they would have a better chance at just fighting yeah i don't think that's what yorin thought Okay. I think everybody in this world has some extra scheme that they're working on. But the two organizations that we haven't heard a subtle plot about are the Night's Watch and the Starks. Yorin. Yorin's story starts at the wall. Or he takes Tyrion to the wall from Winterfell, where he's met with Ned Stark. (laughs) This is going to be elaborate, isn't it? Then he comes back down and stops at Winterfell again to treat with, I think Rob is the Stark that he talks with there. And it's well known that the Starks and the Wall have a very good relationship. So then Yorin goes to King's Landing where Ned Stark is in prison. And he rescues Arya Stark. He chooses to rescue Arya Stark for some reason. But he also seems to be very tied into the fact that the Black Brothers take no, hold no allegiance in the realm. Additionally, 
Ned Stark sends his bastard son north to the Wall, where presumably he would find some fairly high up position with his uncle, who's also at the Wall. Why did Yorin not want to let those guards into the Holdfast that night? Because he was carrying the secret plan of the Black Brothers and the Starks to unite and forge a new kingdom that encompassed all the lands beyond the wall. Okay, that's a big jump. Okay. Why did they bring Sam Tarly north? Sam Tarly is the firstborn son of a powerful lord in the south. He's got political connections. Sam Tarly did not volunteer for the wall. He is a hostage, just like Theon Greyjoy. Sam Tarly has to stay with Jon Snow and Lord Mormont because they have to keep an eye on him to keep the southern lords in line to make sure that they're not going to intervene with their plans. Sure, we heard the story from Sam about why he's at the wall, but he told us that story. We didn't witness it ourselves. And if news came, if news got out that the Starks were trying to ally themselves with the Black Brothers, there would be mutiny on the wall because these people had taken the vow that they would, like, hold no allegiance. So if Sam came out and said, I'm a hostage of the Black Brothers in order to prevent rebellion, it would be like, whoa, that's not cool. So they gave him a story. <laughs> this is my theory. Wow, that's big. Right, and and so this is the reason why Yorin was down south meeting. He was he also met with Ned Stark while he was in the south at um the King's Red, Landing. at King's Landing. Yeah, and that was yeah. where they developed this plan. You know, they had been in talks for a while about what to do, but that was when the plan was formalized, and Yorin has now carrying this this plan north back to the Wall to give to Lord Mormont. Otherwise. What point would he have in not opening the gates and letting these people in to come investigate? I mean, maybe they would kill them. I think the odds are greater that if he fights them, they will all die. than if he lets them in, then they will all die. Right. I think that's probably true. And so he's he's got something he's hiding. So here's the parts of your theory that I can agree with. I agree that it seems like it would have been a better decision for him to just let them in because there's no way they're fighting them off. Right. And I agree that it's weird for him to have saved Arya mm-hmm. because he. you're right, he does make a big show of saying that the the Black like takes no part or the Night's Watch takes no part. So he's supposed to be completely neutral. So it is odd that he saves Arya. Because he also seems like he's not a very... Well, he's, like, not very... He's not a soft guy. Like, he doesn't care if a kid gets captured or something like that. Um, I agree with you on that part. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to make the jump with you to that means that he's, like, part of this plot to combine the North with the Night's Watch. But I I appreciate you're willing to go out on this limb. 
Let me build you a bridge, Luke. Oh boy. Who else is with Yorin? The so he has Gendry. Uh huh. Who's Gendry? Robert's bastard. Who else was interested in Gendry? Ned was. Oh, interesting. So Ned Stark goes and visits Robert Baratheon's bastard son. Why was he interested in Robert Baratheon's bastard son? Uh, he was interested to make sure that, or to, to check on, he was trying to figure out if like all of Robert's ba- bastards had black hair, basically. Uh-huh. So this is some sign of evidence that Joffrey isn't the rightful king of the Seven Kingdoms. And for some reason, he's traveling north to the Wall with Yorin. Hmm. You're right. It is never mentioned how they meet up. Oh, yeah. So, I'm sorry. It's it's more likely that it's all just coincidence and Yorin makes a ridiculously foolish decision to fight off all of these invaders in the Holdfast. That's more likely than Yorin has secret information that links the Night's Watch to the Starks and the forging of a new northern alliance with with the understanding that there is some new threat coming and they need to combine forces or perish. Okay, so I think that there's I think that it's plausible to say that Yorin has some other reason than trying to stay alive when he doesn't let them in and fights them. I think that's fair. I'm not ready yet to embrace the reason the like the plot of combining the north with the night's watch, but I don't know. I've been convinced pretty easily in the past. Okay. All right. So this is we're going to set this on simmer. We're going to put this in the slow cooker, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if we get any other evidence for this later on. Yeah, Luke and I have both read the series all already all the way through, but we've never read it through the lens of the theories that I'm right. that either of us have brought up. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see if we see anything else that could point yeah. us to this theory. Yeah, that's what we're on the lookout for. One of the things that I wanted to say is... The prophecy with Stannis, how lame and unconvincing is that little scene? It's so bad. Where where they're like, oh, there's this prophecy where this guy will pull this blade that's burning out of somewhere. And they like light these things on fire and put a blade in. And they give him, they give him like, equipment for this yeah <laughs> he has a very special glove uh he has like a apron that he puts on to protect himself and he goes out and pulls out the sword and it's like a mess and he's burning a little bit and they put him out and then he's like finally just has to put the sword in the ground because it's burning so much <laughs> and they're like yeah it's him <laughs> he's the lord of light yeah <laughs> do you think anyone there is actually convinced by this no nobody there is convinced by it (laughs) i mean i think it's just like a i think it's a great metaphor for how shitty of a decision it was it's a great metaphor for like nobody's convinced by it you're putting on a big show but in the end it results in like a blackened sword that is just stuck in the ground and you burned all this like old history for this stupid show you wanted to put on but you got nothing from it so far you you've got nothing right and it is it's 
it's also kind of made fun of by that I, I think it's like a merchant or a smuggler almost he's like a pirate for him right right salador san or something like that and he tells the actual story of <laughs> it's like yeah this dude worked on the perfect sword for like a year or i don't know how long it was and then he stabs or he, he breaks it one time by just putting it in water second time he makes it for even longer and he's he quenches it by stabbing a lion <laughs> and the sword shatters and then the final one is he spends like a year making the sword and he stabs his wife and the sword like miraculously is Works. magical yeah and it's like yeah compare that to what stan <laughs> to what stannis just did which can i just say this as stannis's wife pretty bold move to support the red lady pretty bold move to support this story of a dude murdering his wife to get a magic sword <laughs> yeah that's some that's, that's some faith i'll tell you she just really believes in the cause um what are rushes i feel like they're the their version of flowers like so they're like decorative and they sit in a vase by the window or something yeah that's what i'm assuming i have no idea what these things are (laughs) i was thinking it was like potpourri like some kind of scent thing that is they talk about rushes more than in that scene when theon goes back to the pike they talk about rushes a good amount in a game of thrones in the first one (laughs) we never brought it up what and in this one i think they've mentioned rushes a few times as like these rushes need changed or like there's like poop in these rushes or (laughs) i don't know what they are i so i am not confident in this whenever i've read it i've assumed it was some kind of little plant thing that's almost like flowers (laughs) but but i don't know that was just an assumption okay well next time we'll next time maybe we'll look up what rushes are for every, but for the number of times that they're referenced it's like i don't know anything about this thing and i usually just skip over it it's like whatever something happened right maybe they're cool maybe i should have some rushes oh i don't know a little like maybe 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 they give off a little scent or something right purify the air a little bit oh I don't know. could be nice <laughs> they remove the ions from the air maybe <laughs> we need that yeah yeah um okay one super stupid thing there's a scene when they're at the wall and John's like walking outside and it's like, I don't know if I wrote on the quote. Let me see. It says, well, okay. I didn't write them the quote. Basically it's mentioned that his like jacket snaps in the wind, which always looks very cool mm-hmm. in movies and stuff. And I'm wondering if I'm missing out on opportunities to look cool because it feels lame. Like I feel like, I often have this situation happening to me where I'm have a jacket that's like not zipped up and it's windy and it blows back and snaps around. And I feel like it looks terrible. So I always try to control it. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if, if I just embrace it, I'm wondering if it'll look cool because it's always pictured as looking cool. So I envision the reason it looks cool is because it's not a jacket. It's a cape. I always envision it's a cloak and so when you have a cloak snapping in the wind, very cool. It's like a flag waved out behind you that's like snapping. 
But if it's a jacket waving in the wind, it's like, you just didn't zip it up, dude. You're probably very cold. You should zip that <laughs> so, thing. Okay. So I think maybe it depends on how long it is. If it's, well, if, no, it's if your trench if coat is snapping in the wind, that's not a good look either. I don't know. I think, you know, those like those overcoats that go down to you know, like your knees or something. Oof. I feel like I've seen those. Like Ooh. I can imagine Benedict Cumberbatch standing on top of a cliff or something wearing his little his little uh overcoat uh-huh and snapping in the wind and looking very cool okay actually yeah i think it is length now that you're mentioning it because yeah i can imagine some like la detective in like some film noir movie who's got one of those trench coats that he's on a case and the wind blows and his trench coat like blows out behind him and snaps that looks very cool okay it's about length yeah, yeah, totally length. Okay, I'm glad we settled that. I won't just embrace it next time unless I'm wearing something that goes down past my waist. Your trench coat or your cloak or either of those garments that you have. Yeah. Yeah, I totally have those, yeah. Uh, how come How come we haven't started calling fireflies lantern bugs yet? Ooh. So Arya, as soon as she gets to the, the lake at night, I think this is the last thing she describes where she sees lantern bugs floating around. And in the tiers of names for those insects, the top tier right now is lantern bug. The second tier is firefly. The third tier is lightning bug. You think lightning bug's at the bottom? It's the least effective descriptor. Okay, it's probably least effective. Mm-hmm. It sounds cool, though. It sounds way cooler than they are. I think it sets you up for disappointment, but lantern bugs also sounds cool and it has a cozy feel to it. And it's more accurate. And it's yeah. more accurate. Okay. They look like lanterns. I think lantern bug is the way to go and we have been missing out on what to call these things for so That's long. That's fair. And I actually think, do you think it derives from them looking like lanterns or do you think it derives from you being able to make lanterns with them? Por que no los dos? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I think it's a freaking great name, and I think I'm going to start calling them lantern bugs now. I agree. I will, too. I think you're on the right page on this. Okay, I have one more thing. Daenerys, you ran away from everywhere because you were worried people were going to kill you and take your dragons. You get to this abandoned city, and three strangers come up, from the city of Karth. And you call out to them and you say, Hello, we've been, we're really hungry and thirsty and we're glad that there's a city close by. And they say, Hey, let us see the dragons. <laughs> and you're like, Oh yeah, I got those. <laughs> Daenerys. What? I'm sorry? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not the most prudent of strategies, I'm going to say. It also means that the person she sent out to go find the a city or any settlement was like, hey, we need some help. Also, we have dragons, so <laughs> get at us, dude. Yeah, she needs, to, she needs to ask this guy that she sent out. I forget which one it is, one of her blood riders. Mm -hmm. She's like, you freaking told them I have dragons? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for that scene in the next segment that we read where she takes him aside and is like, um, 
we needed to talk about our corporate policy and the disclosure <laughs> of confidential information of our intellectual property. Yeah, he broke the confidentiality agreement that they had. Like, that was the whole thing. And this is the whole thing <laughs> I was thinking when she's running from everyone is like, yeah, she can't go anywhere because they will just kill her and take her dragons because those are so valuable. And that's what she leads with, with these people who she doesn't know <laughs> and is basically at their mercy. Yeah. I mean, well, and also how nice did that city that they stopped at seem? Well, there were like bones and stuff. Ah, they can rebuild. I, mean, I think they should. There was a well. Was Oh, yeah. There's a well. There was fruit trees. It was it defensible. Nice. They were like fixing it up. Yeah. 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 We So we didn't talk about Daenerys in this episode very much. I'm now realizing maybe I guess maybe we should cover her more in the next episode. Yeah. Well, there, there were only a couple chapters, I think, a couple Daenerys chapters, but I think we'll get a lot more Daenerys in the next episode. Yeah. And maybe sure. maybe we'll see what happens with these strangers who suddenly know that she has dragons. Maybe we won't talk much more about Daenerys because maybe Daenerys will get murdered in the next segment. True. We don't know. We have no idea. I think if she gets murdered in the next segment, we'll probably talk about it. But that look, that's just a small aside. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not going to be a hot take. From, from some dumb nerds. <laughs> we could do that again if you want. I don't care. <laughs>